Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the weekend show. You'll be relieved to know that I am joined, as always, by my judicial co-host Garrett. I still haven't internalized the new theme song. Sorry, I can't. I can't even. You can't even do it, can you? I can't do it either. You freaking, you freaking edit this podcast, and you can't do it. So we're doomed. It's got like a lot of drum and bass. I can't really imitate how my mouth. It's still just that's that's what it is. My heart can. This is like everything that changes the theme song here. Just like it's worse. I hate it. As I said, Gar, as a surprise, it may return from time to time. All right. How are you? I'm good. Not too bad. You going to Billy Ocean tonight? I am going to Billy Ocean, and a lot of people are like, "Why are you going to Billy Ocean?" I'm like, "Because I like Billy Ocean." That's fair. Some people are like he had like four songs in the eighties, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm in for that." I was hoping to go to OTT today, but I'm not. OTT Wrestling. Their fourth anniversary show, stacked with New Japan stars. Walter and Will Ospreay, I can't go on some grumble. That's pretty unfortunate. You're unfortunate, Ken. But dude, he caused Gary, you're, you're a man <sighs> for the cause. Abyss is being inducted in the Hall of Fame, and I guess he pretty much deserves it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, how dare he interrupt he your wrestling viewing. He does, he very much deserves it. Anyway, how are you? We, I already asked you how we're doing. What are we talking about then today, Ken? Coming up on the show this week, Gary. Here's mm-hmm. my read. Hopefully I don't fuck it up. Oh, did I say the F word? Sorry. We're, we we are a, a, a wholesome podcast. We're a PG podcast. I'll have to bleep that later. You're ruining our, our, our good reputation as fine young men. Anyway. You're not young anymore. We don't have a reputation. Uh, first of all, we don't have a reputation. And second of all, we're not fine young men anymore. I'm 26. That's still young. Eh. I, th- I feel like you're still young uh, until you hit the late 20s is when you're like, all right, you're not a young person anymore. Mid-twenties is still that weird in-between phase where you're like, you know, you're like, objectively in your early twenties, you're stupid and young, and objectively in your late twenties, you're supposed to be mature and wise, and then that there's that middle period where you're just like, I don't know, what the hell's going on? <laughs> I think it's strange for our generation in particular, because physically I know I'm older, I know I'm in, in my late twenties, but mentally mm. I just feel like I'm still in that young twenties phase. You're nearly thirty. <laughs> I know. It's arrested development. Where are those years gone? It's literally arrested development. <laughs> I don't know. But I digress, Gar. We're going to have to get on with this because I got to go to Billy Ocean. You got to do nothing because you can't go to OTT. What uh-huh. do you mean do nothing? I'm literally going to be working all day. Working on Bound for Glory. Making playlists for everybody to enjoy all the stories leading up to the, the wonderful Bound for Glory matches. Gar, is that the same Bound for Glory that's only on pay-per-view this weekend? Pay-per-view and Fight TV. Wow. So if you want to watch digitally on Fight, you can. Don't miss the main event of Austin Aries versus Johnny Impact for the Impact World Championship. Yes. not not It's, it's the, the belt of the company, not the belt of Johnny. But we're not talking about Impact this week. Maybe in a future podcast, as in, like, way future, as in never. Oh, well. What are we talking about? We bring you the second part of our Doctor Who Season 11 discussion, mm-hmm. when we give our thoughts on the first episode, The Woman Who Fell to Earth. And in our main segment, we wade waist-deep into US politics to give an outside perspective on the madness in the backdrop of Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court confirmation last week. I think it was last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And looking ahead to the midterm elections next month. That was a lot to say, and I got it out, and I'm proud of myself. Good job, Ken. You did it. You can read. Yep. A lot to say, a lot to get through, Gar. But before we get on to all that, we get down to it. How was your week? I have been mostly spending the week watching TV shows we recommended on our podcast, Ken. Like a good young man. How many TV shows have you watched that we talked about on the podcast? One. Which? Maniac. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. You could you get away. I think I've watched five. I, I've watched a lot of Manifest, which Manifest is basically like it's it's what we thought it would be, where it's like half, uh, it's five years has passed. What's going on? And then half like super spooky mystery. We hear voices in our heads. And I'm, I'm on board for the super spooky mystery, even though I think I paid like zero attention to the most recent episode. It was one of those where it's like I looked up for my phone and the episode was over. And I was like, oh, OK. Damn. But like, you have these gaps in your memory because like if, I, if I'm doing anything, while looking at my phone, whether it's watching a TV show or listening to a podcast, you're like, I heard all that, mm. but didn't hear any of it. Or I saw that, but I didn't see anything. Mm. So one of the things that I talked about it in a couple of podcasts ago, I'm trying to do one thing at a time. So like if I'm watching something, I'm putting my phone down and like not using it unless I have a specific purpose. And I will have the odds mindless scroll, but I try and control that to a couple of times a day or three times a day, maybe. 
you say that, I'll be working during this podcast. Yeah. You will hear me click sending a tweet on the Impact Twitter account in seven minutes. But <laughs> you may have heard him doing it last week as well because he's super rude. I'm I'm I have to be a professional, Ken. I have to work around my work schedule to fit you into my life. I'll always fit you into my life, no matter what. I've also watched a God friended me, which I actually kind of like. It's You're in? it's, oh, it's you, first of all, are you in on Manifest? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, all the shows I'm talking about, I'm in on. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to watch all of these shows. But, yeah, God Friend Me, it, it's trying to tell some interesting stories. It has the, the the overarching hook of, like, ooh, is it actually God who's talking to him? And if it's not, what's going on? And I think I think the show would be more interesting if it's not God, and then they come up with some wacky conspiracy theory. Because I'm on board for that. I don't want it to be actually God. But yeah, it's 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 light. It's kind of kind of fluffy with some spiritual themes rather than some like heavy downer themes. No one dies. Actually, no. Someone does. Someone die. Someone's probably died at this stage. We'll talk about Doctor Who in a minute. I really didn't like the amount of people that died in that episode. But yeah, God friend and me. It's pretty good. I'm on board. You also watched. Well, was it Single Parents? Single Parents, which I actually really like. I didn't know when we recorded our podcast. It is by Elizabeth Merriweather, who you may know. Uh, she was she was responsible for New Girl. I haven't watched the last two series of New Girl. I need to get onto that. But yeah, I, I, I like her stuff. And it has some of that same New Girl DNA and some of that same quirky weirdness. And it's just fun. And I remember what I said, the show will probably live and die on how good the kids say the darndest things is. Yeah. The kids say the darndest things, Ken. <laughs> They're adorable. My reservation about that show, we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago. If you want to go back and listen to our our fall television preview. Your hatred of Tarn Pillen. No, don't, yeah, don't, like, don't. Fulton's not a thing. Stop trying to make it a thing. Fulton is a thing. Hmm. Anyway, I, in fairness, I did enjoy him in Saturday Night Live, but I just had doubts about him being a leading man. So what, what are your verdict, what's your verdict on that? He's enjoyable and charming. Fair play. And he was in Night School recently, and he was one of the more enjoyable characters in that too. Yeah, so the show made me laugh. Which, speaking of making me laugh, a show that didn't make me laugh, Happy Together, Ken. Remember the, the the Harry Styles and executive produced inspired show? I remember saying I was so disinterested I didn't even watch the trailer. It just seemed like one of those shows that's going to be cancelled after one season. Yeah, I think it'll probably make it past one season. But it's one of those very, 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 as broad as broad can get comedies. Like, this is, <laughs> the parents are weird and quirky. It's a Disney Channel show. You know the way Disney Channel shows are usually sitcoms from ten years ago? Yeah. And and then they eventually get around to whatever the trend was ten years ago. It's a Disney Channel show. You watch it, and it's like it's broad. It's kind of lazy. The jokes aren't great. The Damon Wayans Jr. and the Australian guy who are in the lead, they try, but there's just not much there for them. It's just so like first draft comedy that you'd you just there's no laughs there. There's absolutely none. There's not even jokes. Most of the jokes is, I say a thing, and then the opposite thing happened. And it's like, whoa! That's like sitcom 101 from the 60s. Yeah, it's it's really, really, there's nothing there. I'll probably watch every episode. But there is nothing there. It's it's empty nonsense. That's not even good nonsense. And I like nonsense. That's a shame. Is that it? That's all the shows you watched? And last night, there's a new show on Netflix. The, the Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Which is basically a spooky show. Which means you probably won't like it. But there's more like like uh, and you know everyone's watched every haunted house movie and there's not there's not necessarily anything new there but I think in like long form television it feels a little fresh, even though the episodes are very long. The pilot is one hour long. Episode four is one hour ten minutes long. <laughs> it's like these are movies. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Make forty minute television shows, please. But I enjoy it. It's really good because uh, the first four episodes of focus on the stories of the characters because the plot of the show is they lived in a spooky house their mom committed suicide well they tell you the mom committed suicide but they don't actually show it so there's there's inference that there's more that went on there in the spooky house and then they all abandon the spooky house and then they cut forward 20 years later or whatever to when they're adults and the spooky house comes back to haunt them I could be in on that if it's not too scary uh, why would I pay to be scared Car? well you're not paying it's Netflix well you are paying. paying but it's 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 not nominal marginal it's tiny um but yeah, I enjoy it. It's good fun. It's not good fun. It's it's kind of harrowing at times. Um, but the, the spookiness is the worst part of the show. They try to do spooky, and it's just kind of like, ooh, something popped out. It's not even good something popped out. It's just like, oh, guys, you're not good at horror. But they are good at mystery and suspense. And I think that's the best part of the show, and it really works. And the characters are pretty good. 
I think it's hard to do spooky on television unless you have a, a big budget or you're very imaginative. And, the, and doing spooky in the confines of my bedroom is pretty hard. Unless I live in a spooky house, which we don't. We even don't. though I occasionally spook myself out in this house. But like, yeah. you know in the cinema when you're in that atmosphere of loud noises, big screens, bright lights, you know, it's easier to scare people like that. It's harder to scare people on television with, you know, my 29-inch computer or whatever it is, which actually is pretty big, but it's not small. Yeah. Being the chicken that I am, I actually can tolerate watching movies in that environment because mm. I can control the environment. And that's exactly to your point why it's not as effective because people can kind of limit the scariness if they want to. Speaking of cinemas, Ken, I went to see Bad Times at El Royale last night. Yeah. Good film. Very long. Two hours, 20 minutes. Oof. And there's times where you feel the two hours, 20 minutes. But I think by the time it gets where it's going, it's like they did a really good job with all of these characters. Because the idea is like that there's this hotel and it's it's not a spooky hotel but it's a sinister hotel that's there's there's there's, there's a distinction there no haunted stuff um but seven people suddenly come across this hotel for various reasons and then they're intertwined in a plot of shenanigans and malarkey that results in in death as you might expect but it, you know it has chris emsworth it has um it's got an all-star cast yeah it has jeff bridges has Nick Offerman in a cameo, which is I actually didn't notice. I looked at the cast, like, wait, Nick Offerman was in that film? And then it's like, oh, he played that guy. How did I not notice that? Was, I think he was wearing a mask most of the time because, well, that's kind of a spoiler. But yeah, it's it's a good, enjoyable. Like I really liked it. It's, it could, I think, it could have done with being trimmed a teeny bit. It is, as I said, two twenty. If you're going two twenty with a film, can you want to go two twenty for good reason? And I don't think they do, but. But as I said, by the time they get to the like climactic scene, it's really worth it. That's my week. Lots of TV. I, uh, I've been. I think I was about to say I've been slacking watching television lately, as in like not watching enough of it. And I think very rarely do people present the amount of television they watch as you know, oh, not enough. But anyway, I think I've been slacking watching TV, so I've made up for that this week by watching lots of TV. When you have a podcast, Gary, you can justify your watching TV as work. Yeah, kind of. Of course. As I said earlier. The TV show that I've watched since our Faltum preview, it's a thing, mm-hmm. is Maniac. On Netflix with that guy from that film. Jonah Hill like. and there Stone. Go. There I don't you like, go. I don't like Jonah Hill. I've since found out it was produced and directed and created by Kerry Fukunawa. Who? Who just signed on to direct the next Bond film. And he's a very kind of... He's a kind of director of the moment. Uh, very much kind of getting involved in big projects it's visually very interesting in, in the sense that it's it's really interestingly shot it's 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 gorgeous at times mm-hmm. it's set in a period it's very hard to kind of place because the technology is is futuristic but it's made to look like it's from the 80s yeah so it's i can only assume it's some dystopian future but it's a originally imagined world the performances are, are good as you said, Garrett, there is an element of, like, where is it going? And is it just being weird for the sake of being weird? Or just being, like... like Because that is interesting in, the, in each individual episode. It's interesting in the moment. Hmm. But if it doesn't go anywhere, where are you going to feel... How am I going to feel afterwards? I don't know, because I've only watched about three episodes. But I, I, I like it. I'm on it. I generally don't like those things where, you know, oh, what is real? What is fake? Or what's What are they doing? I, I, I kind of like uh, I don't know think that hard while watching TV <laughs> like yeah. who your man who did the voice of, of what's his name and How to Train Your Dragon lead character Jay Baruchel yeah he had one of those shows where what was the name of that show where everything is just like what is real what is fake I don't know I haven't heard of it <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm not sure if we picked that up but our father is in the house right now watching rugby. And literally, there is 40 feet between us and him right now. Yeah. And we just heard him shouting, Get it out, you effing dope, from the other end of the house. He's very passionate about Monster Rugby, which is the local team here. They're, they've been very successful in, in the last few years. And <laughs> and not so much in, in, in recent years. But uh, yeah, he's he's very passionate about it. And if it's one thing that gets mad is... is other drivers and Monster Rugby oh. not doing what he wants them to do, even though they can't hear him because he's obviously watching them on television. He is. I really hope that was picked up. I really hope you could hear that. It's unlikely, but oh, he's a wonderful man. 
you know, that's what I've been watching a bit of lately before we get on to the meat of the podcast, let's mm-hmm. just say. Do you know a few years ago that show started with Stone Cold Steve Austin called Broken Skull Challenge? I watched some of it, yeah. it had, Didn't it have the James Storm theme song as its theme song? No, that's Redneck Island. It's oh. a very similar show, though. Kind of similar premise. Mm-hmm. But what I was like, when he talks about his podcast, I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds all very meatheadish and, you know, kind of macho. Wasn't kind of interested in it. But Dave in the UK are, are showing episodes daily now and it's got kind of hooked. If you're not familiar with the format... No one's watched Broken Skull Challenge again. Yeah, it's on CMT in America. It's not the most uh, popular of channels. But a bunch of, you know, athletes basically start off. There's usually eight. It's, like, it's split into male and female episodes. And they face off in physical challenges in a kind of a bracket tournament style thing. And if the one thing I love is attorney. So hmm. that's the one thing that hooked me, the kind of tor- tournament format of each episode. So eight start, they face off in physical challenges. And then they get down to one who gets to face his really tough obstacle course called the Skullbuster. Mm-hmm. And in each season, the first person to beat the Skullbuster sets the time, so they get $10,000. If you don't beat it, obviously you just go home. But that person becomes the returning champion. And on each episode, the person at the end who gets to take on the Skullbuster, if they can beat the time, then they become the new champion. If they can't, the person who is the existing champion gets the $10,000. So it creates a bit of conflict there. There's been a few seasons now, so... The obstacle course changes every season, but the returning champion from the previous season always gets the first crack at it. So it's kind of... It's it's one of those TV shows. It doesn't change, really. The format is the same each episode. Slightly from for- season to season, obviously, the courses will change and stuff like that. But Austin, it obviously, is a, a bit of a draw. He's just one of those kind of he's characters a, that you like to watch. He's a charismatic man. He's a charismatic man. And what, what I especially enjoy is that... I've seen a couple episodes now, both on the male and the female side, where like these like really kind of overly aggressive MMA types are in it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm going to dominate. I'm going to hurt some people. And you're like, the point isn't to hurt people. It's just to compete against them. It gets a bit rough at times, don't get me wrong, because there's wrestling and there's kind of physical altercations involved. But these guys are like, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to put someone down. It's like, you're just trying to beat them at an obstacle course. Or, <laughs> you know, it's it's like they're getting really too, too aggressive. And then they get beaten by someone that's just smarter, more strategic. So like, and it's funny because they're like, I'm MMA and this is why I'm going to win because I'm aggressive and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a peak athlete. But the, the what they don't realize is the most successful MMA fighters are the ones who are smart and mm. the strategic ones. So it's they, almost like the American reality show thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's like if you watch, just say, US MasterChef versus MasterChef Australia. MasterChef Australia is like all loving and caring and wholesome, and everyone loves each other, and they're very upset when somebody's voted out. Yeah. And then US MasterChef is like, I want to kill him. I want to throw his food off of the bus, and, and then he gets hit by the bus, and then the food rolls over, and then my food is better than his food, or whatever. I'm gonna turn up his oven. <laughs> yeah. It's so. it's just it's it's always combative. It's always like aggressive, and people want to take each other out. Whereas outside of the US reality shows, are like like the like Bake Off, which is just like oh. It's a, exactly. It's a very good cake there. Someone got voted off of Bake Off, and next week I saw a preview. They're going to all wear a Hawaiian shirt because that's what he wore on the episode. <laughs> See, that's just... That, like, that's that's the difference between US and non-US reality, reality TV. But see, I'm not in for that whole aggression thing, so I really like seeing those guys get beat because they're just like, oh man, I'm going to dominate, and then they just get outsmarted, and you're just like, that's right. Brains versus brawn every time. So it's like a Steve Austin version of Ninja Warrior, basically. Basically. Hmm. And it's set in the desert. It's kind of kind of a cool kind of dystopian kind of Mad Max style kind of um, what's the word the condemned style yeah you remember that yeah he was in that that was basically the Hunger Games before the Hunger Games became popular Steve Austin was screwed yeah he he totally gave birth to a new format and got no credit he should have been the Jennifer Lawrence of his generation <laughs> yeah I, I think we'll leave that there okay so Gar Doctor Who it came uh, back yeah it's back it's alive I I am Mixed. You're mixed. Yeah. So, Garrett, we should say The Woman Who Fell to Earth was the first episode last week, the debut of Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor and Chris Chibnall, as we described last week, as the new showrunner. Mm-hmm. The episode has been re- received pretty well by critics and fans alike, as well as attracting an overnight rating of 8.20 million, which is the highest since the time of the Doctor in 2013, so that is significant. That's five years. That's better than anything Peter Capaldi did. So that's like nearly half the run, basically. She has destroyed poor Peter Capaldi's legacy. <laughs> Peter no. Capaldi killed the show, Ken. That's all, that's that's what I'm hearing here. 
but now time will tell whether that's the curiosity factor because it was such a major change or time whether... travel will tell Ken time travel will tell well, <laughs> okay. but the rest of the season will tell whether they've hooked people for the entire ride or is it just mm. people trying to see since it was such a significant change and a landmark moment you know the curiosity factor I, I'd be curious to see what the, what the rating pulls this week I think that this week if they can put on 8 million or near to 8 million even 7 million again then we'll know that the new doctor is, you know, a hit and she's a draw. She's a draw, and Peter Capaldi wasn't necessarily, unfortunately. Peter Capaldi killed the business. So, Gar, what are your thoughts on the episode in general? You gave a little taste of your feelings there a short while ago. I, uh, I didn't like the episode. I thought her like I really like her performance. Her performance is very Matt Smith. Yeah, it's very like enthusiastic, very bubbly, very energetic, very you know, uh, lots of things going on and happening, lots of things being said and done and whatnot. But I, I think she was good. I just... The, the generic monster of the week. The, the the generic plot. The way they set up the grandmother dying. Oh, she has to climb the pole now. It's like... Oh. Especially since the they kind of went for that kind of gut punch of the day was already won. The, mm. the, the monster was defeated and she did it for no reason. Yeah. So she died for no reason. And like, it was kind of funny because I, I, we talked about it last week. She was cast in the show and... Bradley Walsh, who plays her husband, is going to be one of the companions. You're going to, and you're like, wait a second. So three out of the four are going to be companions. She's dying. Alarm bells. Yeah. She, you, you, so like that was kind of telegraphed from pretty much the start of the episode, especially since she was like the most into it, the yeah. grandmother. And the, the the big thing that annoyed me, and it's it's a script writing problem, but when the when the episode, the crux of the episode is preventing one person from dying, and in the process of that happening, three other people die. That seems like a failure in my and like I would push back on that a little bit in that it was the first two were kind of collateral damage and kind of before the doctor understood what the the problem was, and the one person I I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time why not just let him die? Then only one person would have died. But then the doc the doctor well if you look at the the story the doctor didn't really know what was going on then when those people died, and it was more about stopping them from doing this in future although when they revealed the actual reason why they were trying to kill this one person, mm. that kind of fell apart for me. So I suppose the premise of the episode was the Doctor literally falls to Earth, falls into this train, which has stopped mysteriously. Oh, I have to interrupt you because that annoyed me. Okay. Okay. This episode did not have an opening title sequence. Yeah. And that annoyed me. But Ken, that moment when she falls through the train with the monster, that's your opening title sequence. That's where you go, and whatever the theme song is this year we'll talk about that in a minute but that's that's your moment and then you didn't take that moment and that annoyed me so I hate the episode but anyway this mysterious electrical tentacle monster mm-hmm. uh, tags them all essentially and that, that's another stupid thing about the whole bombs in their neck thing it's like but th- just take it out of the episode if you take that out of the episode the episode is no different why is it even there well, it was a bit of McGuffin in the end. They were like, we transferred the bombs to you. And then it's like, ooh. But we the Doctor out- had already won at that stage. Yeah. We find out later anyway that <laughs> it's going well now with the rugby. My dad is happy. Yeah. I don't know if he picked that up. There was a big cheer. But the whole point of the episode was there's just there's this alien warrior mm-hmm. who collects the teeth of his victims and mm-hmm. embeds it into his skin, which I thought was gross but weird and yeah. not even in a good way. And to become the leader of his people... He has to, without any help, go to Earth and find a mark, basically, or, or hunt down a yes. a, a, ki- a kill. I don't think they even kill them. They kind of Take them. keep them as trophies. Yeah. Which, by the way, they, they could pick, like, some guy in a guarded fortress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're just going to pick some guy who works in a construction site. It's just going to be, he, go get him. <laughs> I think the whole point was that they, without any technology or help, you have to locate him and capture him. So that's the difficult part, but then it's like, does that qualify you to be leader of your people? No, it doesn't. And then he cheats. He mm. cheats in multiple ways, and the doctors. And the funny thing was, the doctor wasn't even taking exception with the fact that he was a. There, there. People have been abducting people for generations. That's a hint as well. One of the early, uh, uh, no-name characters dies confronting this uh, villain because she, had, the one of his ancestors, abducted. Uh, his sister. His sister, yeah. That's, that's the trophy. But like the doctor's like, you cheated. That was the issue, not abducting these people and killing all these other people. Yeah. But I, yeah, as I said, the, the, I thought the performance was good. The, the, the probably the episode and the script and the ideas were that I didn't like it. There wasn't much there. Yeah, as I said, I liked Jodie's take on the doctor in a sense that 
it is similar to Matt Smith's, but it has a decidedly kind of unique feel to, to it. I liked, and in fairness, we talked about this last week as well, the whole post-regeneration episode, it's nothing new, this whole kind of confusion and getting to know yourself and kind of, you know, the kind of your phys- the physiology being kind of up in the air and kind of, you know, the regeneration energy acting up. That's all kind of well-established. Even down to the, the, like, Matt Smith's first episode ended with the first, the, the big confrontation. It's like, oh, I'm Defender of Earth, I'm the Doctor. And she had that exact moment in this episode. And it, it, that also annoyed me because that speech is like, oh, we can be different, things can change, things can be uh, different and, and, you know, not the way they were, but they can still be good and true to what they used to be. And it's like, that's on the nose. Come on. What's been on the nose? Although, in terms of the, you know, in fairness, that is, it is a trope, but it's, it's it's one that can be quite satisfying. I thought the Matt Smith one especially was satisfying. The Matt Smith, Matt Smith one is really good. But when you do it again with subtext, it's just like, oh, guys, nuance, please. Yeah, they did kind of... Listen, fanboys, it's different, but you'll still like it, so put up with it. That's what basically she, she, she just said that. Yeah. But I did enjoy her kind of, like, self-awareness and... Some of the ways she talked about regeneration was kind of interesting and new as well, like, you know, what it feels like. And some people might go like, why do they talk about this every time? Why is this such a a key feature of each regeneration episode or post-generation episode? But the way you think about it, like, the Doctor is the same person, but they're not. They're they're pretty much a new person. Hmm. And they dealt more into that. I thought that was interesting. Do you know what I find really haunting every time as well, Gar? What? Do you know the the kind of wisp of regeneration energy that comes out of the mouth and it's like a little sprite that flies away? Where does it go? I don't know where it goes, but it kind of implies that the soul of the previous Doctor yeah, is there going... Yeah, there goes Peter Capaldi, floating into the sky. That really always, it gives me chills every time I see it. So, I like her portrayal. It's it's hard in one episode to get a sense of where she's going to go. Mm. It's, it's laying out the table, but in a lot of ways, it kind of has to be a little bit generic, because, you know... Well, you don't have a deep psyche into what kind of Doctor she's going to be yet. And she mm. has to grow into the role and things like that, but I do like... Where she, what she's doing with it and I think that I'm a lot of people will come to love her even the stubborn people who are crossing their arms saying woman any, <laughs> well, not my doctor and anyone but her Kara what's your take on the new companions uh, they're all fine yeah I don't have strong thoughts about any of them I feel as if they're a one season crew what do you think I don't know so, oh, the, 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 the way they've set it up it gets kind of like she randomly takes them around space and then happens to take them home and maybe then one of them comes with her yeah or we'll see but yeah I, I think they're they're all relatively fine like there's nothing wrong with any of them yeah except Brad's character is a little like I'm a crusty old man the stereotype is a little too much but yeah. other than that I, I, they're fine I did like the fact that she took along my accent this time, which is a throwback to other doctors who've done that in the past as well. In fairness, that's usually what happened. And the, uh, well, Clara is like the, the destined soul of the universe or whatever that turned out to be. But you know, but in this, in the capacity, the way the story unfolded, it would have made no sense for them to go. Oh yeah, we're going to come along with you. Like so, mm. it, it kind of made sense in in the way they set the story up. And in fact, you know the, the monster aside, I actually really did like the way they set up the relationship with the new companions and, you know, the, you know, the way they came along for the ride. So I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. We talked about it last week as well. There's a kind of a new look and feel. Like, mm. since Matt Smith's reign, Doctor Who has come to look a bit more cinematic, but now it's kind of, you know, they're really focusing on the cinematography and the stylishness of it and the, the shots and stuff like that. Did you feel a decided shift in how it looked and how it felt? Not really. It, it it depends on the scene. Because like, the big climactic scene is in a building site. Which is only so much you can do to make a building site look nice, isn't there? That's true. Whereas, like, yeah, some of the, the more outside woodsy scenes, it's like, yeah, this does look nicer. The colour palette is nicer, I think. It's, like, showing different kinds of, like... Oh, by the way, set in Sheffield, shot of Bramall Lane. Best thing about the episode. First ever Doctor Who episode to feature the Mighty Blades. Yeah, they could have shown a shot of Sheffield Wednesday, but they didn't. So clearly, which is the superior club? Yeah. Gareth, the new theme, the new theme song, you were annoyed because they yes. didn't play it. If that's a thing in the series where there's no opening titles, I'm legitimately going to be mad. I like opening titles on television shows, Ken. I don't like title cards and I don't like no titles. Give me opening titles and give me a theme song. If they take that out of the show, if this, was, this wasn't just a one and done to take it out of the show... 
I will be upset if there's no theme song uh, today as it happens, or tomorrow. Let's move to Sunday. I have to, I have to adjust that in my head. But yeah, if there's not a theme song, I'm going to rage. I'm going to rage on the internet. I'm going to type a strongly worded tweet if there is no opening titles on Doctor Who anymore. The end theme song, I didn't like it. That's the theme song. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> okay, one thing I want to address. In the... <laughs> Which part of the rant will I go at first? Exactly. Allow me to collect my thoughts while I, I address some of your concerns. In the, the new run of the show that started in 2005, there has been two episodes that also did not have an opening theme. Mm. So sometimes they just use that as a kind of a device. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Second of all, the new theme song, like I thought it was going to be something drastically different from what they teased, but it actually... It's more old school. It's more like a throwback to the original one. Sounds very similar to those with a kind of a synthy electronic vibe as well so it's kind of mixing those two things I thought it was going to be kind of quite radically different as we kind of I feared last week yeah it's more it's more traditionalist yeah. which can I prefer the newer Doctor Who themes to the older ones the one the like the the, the, the the more the theme leans on the like dum da dum dum da dum rather than like you know, I, I I like those big beats. I don't like those weird under ones. So the this theme song is more like, and I don't like it. We have yet to see an opening title, so we we'll see how it works out this week. Mm. Also, guard the new Doctor's theme. What did you think of that? Uh, I'd have to hear it more. That's one of those things you have to. I I, I think I think it's well. We, we don't know for a certain it's her theme yet. We think it's her theme. Yeah, that, don't it like I I I didn't notice it in the episode. I noticed the score obviously mm. but when I saw on YouTube people posting it and like this is what they think the Doctor's theme is but yeah. it made sense but as you said we have yet to see whether that's actually the case they didn't reveal Capaldi's theme until the finale of his first season I think yeah it was kind of a big kind of build up to that because the, the whole theme is like he didn't quite know who he was and then when he was like I am the Doctor then he had his theme so I'd never jump to conclusions based on... So like, obviously, they play a theme during her big I'm the Doctor speech, but who knows if that's her theme. Could just be a theme for that moment. We'll find out over time. We will. What are your thoughts on the missing TARDIS storyline? Uh, probably just an excuse for another episode. <laughs> They'll find the TARDIS next week. Yeah, that's what the question I was going to ask. Is it, like, a kind of, like, a short-term storyline, or do you think it could be the arc of the entire series? She doesn't need a TARDIS. She has a microwave. But when you're talking about the com- <laughs> the companions accidentally going along with her and kind of mm. being dragged along this journey in time and space, it kind of makes sense that the, w- the the way to get home or the journey home is kind of like getting to the Emerald City. You know, finding the TARDIS would be the way that she takes them home. Mm. You know? So I, I could see it stretching for the entire series. thought you said there was no uh, series running story. That's a correction I wanted to make from last week, Karen. Apparently that was it, a Ken fact. It's been said no, but it was been said by Chibnall, like because I saw subsequent videos where you know they're doing like teaser videos and stuff, where like the initial reporting was that it's ten individual stories, which is true. Apparently each story can stand on its own as an individual piece of television, mm. but there will be an overall arc for each of the characters, and that there is a, a story, so it's heading in a, a direction. But that could be as simple as you know the journey to find the TARDIS and the journey to the journey home, couldn't it? Mm. that could be just you know if you don't want to complicate or make this really like oh like the crack in the wall or, or really convoluted thing just get to know all these characters kind of send them on a journey to find the TARDIS I think that could be really nice and kind of simple and humble for a change <laughs> the Doctor has no humility <laughs> is that what you're saying again? yeah so yeah I didn't like the first episode I thought the first episode was, I, I said I thought her performance was very good I enjoyed like I don't think there's much new in it, but she captures like the whimsy and the spirit and the adventure of the show, which is really all I want out of a doctor. But And as you said, the first episode is a taster and It's it a t- bad taster then. It takes it takes a, a doctor sometimes a season or multiple seasons. We don't see who Doctor Footy is until late into their run sometimes. Mm. So they take they have to grow into it and they have to kinda make choices and kinda find the style. Some so like you kinda have to be different but the same starting out and then kind of add your flavour to it as time goes on so I wouldn't judge too harshly whether you loved it or you hated it on the first episode so guys that's our Doctor Who discussion do you think Doctor Who is the thing we talk about that people hate that we talk about and skip by <laughs> I always wonder like you know every podcast has like those things in those episodes that the, the hosts are interested in but then like the listeners don't care like the 
It's it like depends whether you're a fan of the show or not, I guess. Yeah, a PCHH music episode or something. It's like, oh, delete. <laughs> Doctor Who is a lot more mainstream than it used to be, and there's a lot of people who watch it, or even casually watch it, because someone they know watches it. Mm. So sometimes it depends whether you're a fan of the show. Maybe sometimes people are like, maybe I'll just listen to this to see what it's like, and then maybe I'll give it a try. Especially when it comes to a new Doctor, you know, because that's a jumping in point. So get, so hearing our take and it might give them an opportunity to say hey maybe we might give this show a try I don't know Gar if you have any thoughts on this you can reach out to us on Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK are you a fan? what do you think of the new season? what do you think of the new Doctor? like everything is new this season everything is different now if you hate Doctor Who and you hate Doctor Who segments let us know we'll stop doing them or at least we'll do them and we'll give you a warning say skip to half an hour in in fairness we're not going to do another one probably do like an end of season one maybe but say but there will be like well fingers crossed that we keep doing this podcast and we go deep into the years there will be more doctor who podcasts to come ken everything ken will only watch doctor who any given week so that's all we'll have to talk about at the start of the show so i've watched five television shows in a movie ken so i've been pretty good in recent weeks it's only this week that I had a, a quiet week. Television shows and a movie. On my busiest work week of the year. Why is it your busiest work week of the year, Car? Oh, Bound for Glory, live on pay-per-view, Sunday. If Ken gets this up on time. <laughs> well, yes, I will. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, America's burning. That's what we're talking about. Yes. America is basically in the toilet and mm. Donald Trump is about to flush it. It's, 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 it's amazing that... America wasn't always like no I don't think people loved America across the world I think yeah. they're generally seen as kind of like arrogant and a bit annoying but like I don't think they were they, they had a, a, a reputation as a shambles or a reputation to be thoroughly embarrassed of across the world I don't think they realise as a nation at the moment just how much what's happening in America right now is shattering the reputation of the country for a generation yeah I've never seen a president and in fairness, you know, there have been presidents that have been controversial. There are ones who have been, you know, maligned for their choices. George W. Bush being a prime example. But I've never seen a president that lowered the gravitas and the reputation of the office so much. Yeah. For the most part, nearly every American president has, has represented the office with the dignity that you'd expect them to carry the office. Like, that, that office is the highest office in the land. It's one of the most powerful people on planet Earth. You should carry it with that weight, because there's a lot of weight on those shoulders. Not getting mad at literally everybody that tweets at you or somebody that says something bad about you on CNN. And you might get frustrated if you feel like you're being maligned. But if everyone can, if everyone around you says that you are the problem, do you not, at some stage, how can you be so, like... Unself-aware? Yeah, that you're, you're, you're like, the world is the problem, it's not me. And that's that's a, a, an attitude that seeped into politics in America in particular, but in other places in the world too, where the conspiracy rules, you know, oh, it's a, it's a it's a it's the deep state, it's a conspiracy against Trump, it's a conspiracy against X, it's a conspiracy against Y, and it's like that's what I don't get. It's a conspiracy against the already powerful people that yeah. are rich. It's a conspiracy against these highly rich people who who have the three the, who have the the House, the Senate, and the White House. Who control American politics? It's a conspiracy against them, Ken. Of course, it can't be anything else. It can't be that they don't have the policies to get things done, or they don't have the right vision that even their own party can agree with. Yeah. Because uh, if you look at the Brett Kavanaugh saga, we touched on it last week. You know, fortunate or unfortunate news to some, depending on where your political affiliation but lies. It's unfortunate, no matter who you are. He was. That's, confer- a, that's the thing. Most Republican voters are voting against their own self-interest at the moment, anyway. So. But he was confirmed last week. Uh, I think it was 50 votes to 48 or something like that. It was only yeah. two votes in it, you know. That's why it was such a, a contentious fight, because it was on down to the wire. And but, listen, but the, I know we'll talk about we'll talk about a little bit about the actual, you know, the story itself. It's been well kind of talked about at this stage because it's, you know, it's, it's kind of an old story at this stage. But it's that kind of win at all costs mentality of of American politics these days like after the vote like it was like the cat that got the cream the, the smile on the smiles on the faces people are you know Republicans on Twitter toasting with beer and celebrating like it was just like they've won the World Cup or something like that it's yeah it's not about governing it's not about being right it's not about about doing what is best for a nation it's about winning like there's nothing there's nothing special about Brett Kavanaugh 
No. He's not the best mind of his generation. He's not like some some brilliant juror who deserves the place in the court. He's one of 25 on a list that they plucked and said he'll do. Because he'll do what they want him to. He, he lines up ideologically with the people who wanted to appoint him. And that's the only reason he was nominated. That's the only reason he was confirmed. And that's all he'll do in office. He won't, he won't dictate like the thinking of a generation. He won't lead a country. He's not that person. See, that's one thing. But the, 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 as you said, it's just, it's just about winning. It's not about finding the best person. Finding like I'm sure there's some brilliant conservative minds, some brilliant conservative judges. I don't know enough about judges in the U.S. There is probably some people who will like. Ideally, the kind of judge you'd want on a Supreme Court is the kind of judge who you can't always just say this is how they're going to rule. Yeah. Because if you can say every time, everyone's going to have their views, everyone's going to have their stances. But if you can say every time, this is how X is going to rule, and that's the way they rule. They're not judging a case on its merits. They're judging a case based on what they bring to it beforehand. That's a great point because nobody is saying, and like I'm a liberal person myself, nobody is saying there should be a fully liberal Supreme Court. There has to be balance in any court, in high, any high court, in any country. You know, there has to be balance. But when you get to a point, and I've, I've listened to Serial this year, which is based in the Justice Center in Cleveland, and talks a lot about judges and their decision making. When their personal philosophies and their personal point of view come into the way they rule. Like, you don't get justice or you don't even get the law. Mm. You get a, an opinion. And, like, that opinion should be based on the law, should be based on experience, but it shouldn't be based on your own beliefs. Yeah. So, like, that's like that's what basically what you're doing. And then, you know, the just the, the celebration around, like, we've defeated this evil woman to try to take down this really noble and honest man and Mitch McConnell calling all the Democrats obstructionists, oh, saying that they're yeah. trying to slow down the government. Where S- says, they... says Mr. I held the frickin' nomination for a year so I could nominate people. They're obstructionists. And he's on record as saying that's one of his proudest moments. So, And that's another thing that bothers me about American politics. It's not just a win at all costs. It's the tit for tat. Mm. It's like, if they do it, it's an outrage. If we do it, it's genius. Mm. You know, the tactics. And like, the Democrats, their their hands aren't clean in this oh, either. Of course not, but they're, they're slightly cleaner. Democrats are generally more noble in intent, even if, like, American politics is utterly corrupt with money. One thing that, that slightly encourages me this week is, is Dennis Nochten, Minister for Communications in Ireland, was seen multiple times, by the way, to, to meet with a, a businessman who's trying to take over a broadband plant in Ireland, which would be a very lucrative plant for himself. But it's not the fact that the, the minister met with them. It's the fact that the minister met with them multiple times, privately, in the uh, the businessman's home for dinner. Which, yeah. no matter what they talked about, like no matter no matter what, even even if they did nothing, just the appearance, just the appearance of, of, of like that's a conflict of interest, and you you will have to meet these people. You'll have to meet like if you if you're a minister for communications and implementing that plan, you'll have to meet the people who are t- uh, bidding for tender. But you do so in Leinster House, in the the houses of the Arachis of the government, uh, with minutes, transparency, and a record of what happened and what was said. That's that's how you do it, and like in our country, he resigned. Yeah. You know, immediately. Yeah, he didn't want that. He was quite angry. Oh, yeah, he's furious. <laughs> he was furious that he got caught, basically. But he, he did he the right ins- thing. Uh, I will say, very good wordplay in his his resignation. He's like, it's about optics rather than fiber optics. It's about opinion polls rather than telecom polls. And I'm like, good wordplay. At least if you're going to be indignant and and very upset that you have to resign because you were caught like objectively as I said no matter what you talked about it's, it's the, the appearance of conflict of interest should be enough to get you to resign and he did and like in America this happens all the time like if you look at lobby groups in America the amount of money they spend is absurd these people are in the pocket of whatever lobby group happened to give them enough money to get elected there's actually a great website ahead of the midterm elections we'll get onto that shortly that shows the people that are being sponsored by the NRA mm. so like more of that transparency should be there because, as you said, American politics, either you're really rich and you buy your way into office, or you're not really rich, but you still have to get the money somehow. Mm. So you spend all this time pandering and shitting to these people that basically have their own agendas. And in order to get money out of them to stay in office, you have to you have to basically bend to their will. So are you representing the people? See, like, you're not representing your constituents. You're representing you're... a very small amount of them. <laughs> not even, odds are, they're not even your constituents. <laughs> exactly. You're representing interest groups that have nothing to do with your constituents a lot of the time. So, woo, democracy. That's, that's the thing that annoys me about America, Ken. It would be one thing if they're horrible and corrupt and their, their systems don't work. But then, they turn around and say they're the best democracy in the world. Which, Ken, they're not. They're not even, like, top 20. 
can't remember the governing body or the organization, but weren't they downgraded from a democracy officially? Weren't they? I think so. <laughs> well, that would be a kick in the balls, wouldn't it? It's because like one party controls all three branches of government that they're technically not well, they're, a democracy. Well, th- th- those parties were elected to run the. But there's like level. There's like it's like there's like shades of democracy apparently. Mm. So like there's like a true democracy and like I don't know, but like maybe I should have done more research on that. Hey, we're we're as democratic as you get. We're currently run by a minority government. <laughs> yeah, our government with only... a coalition of two parties that never ever cooperated before. Well, it's less cooperating than than mutual not getting each other's way because they don't vote for Fine Gael's things; they just abstain. Because we had weird circumstances where basically we couldn't form a government with the the election results, so that uh, the the party that did have the most seats agreed with the party that this had the second most seats that they would abstain from like collapsing the government for three budgets. But they've lost two voters now in the last couple, a while president knocked in and another person who resigned basically trying to protect himself so there's talk about them supply you know that like Fianna Fáil being a smaller party continuing that supply and demand what's what they called confidence and supply confidence and supply that's it I knew it was something like that but at the same time there might be a general election anyway because they might not have enough votes because mm. uh, it's kind of tenuously tied together with those two parties and some independent people yeah. who have since pulled the plug there'll be a general election next year I think they're well as well. But I think the stability for the last three years was very important. For you, Gar, we're getting back to US politics. What does the treatment of Christine Blady Ford say about the state of US politics now and in the future with the, if the Republicans strengthen their grip on power? Like, regardless of whether you thought she did it, or he did it even, which he totally did, but regardless of whether you, like, you thought he did it, his performance in that hearing is disqualifying. He, he went full, like, Trumpian, this is a democratic conspiracy with revenge for Hillary Clinton. And, like, if if she had said stuff like that, she would have been kicked out as a crazy person. But he, being nominated for one of the highest offices in U.S. In US government and U.S. law, is going on, like, a wild conspiracy theory, like, rampage. And, like, did you see... Did, I assume you've seen highlights of that. Yeah, and when he was asked questions about, like, he's drinking, he's deflected... Yeah, asking... it's like, uh, have you ever gotten so drunk that you've been blackout drunk? And he's like, I don't know, have you? Uh, how do you like drinking? It's do you like, like beer? Do you like beer? He started pointing at people. It's just like that. If I saw that and I was a Republican, I'd be like, who are we nominating? Why are we backing this person with everything we have, despite the accusations against them, and despite the clear, clear appearance that the man is not qualified to make, like, level, nuanced decisions that you want the Supreme Court to make, and the Supreme Court makes most law in the US now. And the most... It actually doesn't, the most laws below the Supreme Court, but anyway, that's a different... But, like, the biggest ones get referred to them as the, point, yeah, the most contentious the, ones. But the point is, the as well, it's not just his qualifications which you know on paper yes but you know he showed his character isn't someone that should be making these major decisions Mm. because he feels like he's been you know like and i do genuinely feel like he does believe that this is a witch hunt and he has been it's it's the entitlement of a white man can a powerful white man who has been achieved everything and given everything in his life and he 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 deserves he doesn't deserve the supreme court again he's entitled to it and if it's no one can take it away from him exactly because it feels like he's been victimized by the 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 left. Mm. He's going to, like, whether it's consciously or, or or unconsciously, vote against them. You know, he's going to be against anything that they bring to the table. Oh yeah, he's fifty odd. He's, he has twenty five years of revenge in him. Yeah, and he was always going to be, as you said, he was always going to be in the pocket of the Republicans. That's why he was appointed. But now he's on a revenge trip as well, which is even more dangerous mm. for life. For life, lifetime appointments is another thing. But anyway. <laughs> Another thing we saw before we get on to the election, Garrett, this week is the resignation of Nikki Haley. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of movement in, in Trump's cabinet, and we talked about oh, this. What's more, does cabinet? He has record tar- turnover on a level that's absurd. And as usual, there's a Trump tweet for everything, Ken. Where yeah. he's like, oh, the level of turnover in the Obama administration reflects an administration that's, that doesn't know what they're doing. And then his administration has turnover times like two or three times of that. But anyway. But the weird thing is... All the previous ones were either heated or acrimonious or, you know, controversial in the sense that either he stopped trusting them or they did something he didn't like and the relationship broke down. But this was, she resigned. She decided that apparently her official reason was that 
she just believes in term limits and two years was enough. I would argue that two years is not enough to get things done in the UN, but anyway. Mm. So what do you think was behind that? The, like She says she wants to work in the private sector now. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like she's. it was a political move on her part. Well, it's probably Trump's view of the world. Did Like, you saw Trump's UN speech, where he went there. It's like, oh, I've achieved more than any American president of all time. And then diplomats, we talked about this, diplomats who are trained to be diplomatic and level-headed, and they laughed at him. And he's like, they're not laughing at me, they're laughing at me. They're with me. He's like, no, Mr. Burns, they're not saying boo, they're saying boo words. I think uh, that's actually a good point. I never thought about that. It kind of came directly in the after- aftermath of that speech so mm-hmm. maybe it was slightly embarrassment of being because I do think she has political ambitions of her own I wouldn't be surprised if she makes a, a bent for the White House in the next 10 years or so mm. so I think it's partially that uh, but I also think it's it's that uh, Rex Tillerson was the, the Secretary of State yeah, and, remember the Muppets movie? Yeah. You know the way there was Tex Richmond? Yeah, he's Rex basically Tex Richmond. Yeah, he's, he's Tex Richmond. Rex Tillerson, Mr. Rexy T. People call me rich because I got more money. But basically, he wasn't kind of fit to be a puppet speaker and kind of talk about policy and stuff like that, even though he should be because him and the, the defense secretary should be the people who talk about that kind of stuff. Mm. But she was getting a lot of face time and she wasn't getting as much face time anymore. So it was for her ambitions. But... I also get the feeling the Repu- that the Republican Party is thinking long-term as well. Are they? I think they're just burning everything to the ground. <laughs> or, no, maybe it's not the Republican Party. Like, part of me felt like maybe they're trying to line her up in the future, but part of me felt like maybe she's trying to get that stink off her to line herself up in the future. Or just, maybe it was a moral decision, Ken. Maybe she was like, I can't represent this man anymore. Who knows? She's never going to say that, but... She did go from being decidedly anti-Trump and and condemning his views and his his speeches and his his rhetoric to being like oh yeah he's great drinking that Kool-Aid when, when like, she got a like big every, job like everybody it's it's like when he was when he got into the race and he said horrible things people were like we cannot let this man take over our party then he took over their party and he's like he's great <laughs> but it, I suppose that that is like a, a macro version of like uh, of, a, of a smaller thing like because like in the workplace like you're like god I hate that guy he's so incompetent I'm so much smarter than him why does he even hear and then that person suddenly becomes your boss and you're like oh yeah you're great I'm, I'm the opposite I'm just like I hate you even more now exactly <laughs> I would be that like, but people kind of have to set out if they have their own ambitions you know listen ambition is, is the folly of man Ken we should all sit here being content in our position in life and then be miserable <laughs> true true but yeah American politics Ken it's just it's just it's just a train wreck it's just like it's a across the board it's just a train wreck and anybody in america that's like oh you know we're great we're the best country in the world that's that's, there's there's like a deep-seated subconscious reason why i think americans put up with this it's it's because of that narrative that they're the best country in the world they're the best they can't possibly be no one can possibly be better than them that there can't be that much wrong so they don't think about fixing it whereas like Irish people only get, like, defensive of Ireland if people from outside of Ireland attack us. Like, if Saturday Night Live does an Irish skit, we're like, that wasn't funny at all. Didn't like it at all. But, like, we're naturally self-deprecating. It's like, oh, Ireland's a bit shit, isn't it? Yeah. Not, not to say we don't have problems, but... Yeah. But America. <laughs> like, we have a homelessness crisis that is a very real problem that needs, needs fixing. But, tch, America can. <laughs> Good segue here, Gary, because the American people do have an opportunity to take control mm-hmm. and fix it in a couple of weeks now. Don't we have an election coming up too? Look at us both the countries having elections. The midterm elections are coming. Now there has been a lot of talk about this blue tide of mm. democratic sweeping states. Do you think that's really coming? Because uh, the, I don't know. There is a sense that people think that it's a movement that is building momentum but other people think that the Democratic Party is in, in kind of ruins at the moment like Barack Obama kind of ducked out and he is the de facto leader even though he's not president anymore you know. Mm ducked out kind of separated himself he is on the campaign trail now and there's no real strong candidates there like there's a feeling there's a lack of strong candidates there's a lack of will I think almost they become fractured within themselves you know because nobody knows what to do about this and then it became the the sad thing is that the Republicans have kind of successfully provoked infighting with the within the the Democratic Party yeah but we'll see I don't care America it's just God damn that country. (laughs) 
there's accusations of the Republicans purging polls, Karen. Well, that's the, 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 again, back to their best democracy in the world, where every election comes around, they try to do their best to suppress votes of people who won't vote for them. Their democracy is amazing. I will say, and it, this is, this is a, it's more an American issue than ours, because like, the, the big thing is they want voter ID laws, and we have voter ID laws. Fair enough. Yeah. Nobody ever checks them. Like, like, uh, how many times that you voted? Has your has, has anyone ever asked, actually asked you for ID? Uh, once maybe. I don't think it's ever happened to me, but it is a requirement. It, it says it on your polling card that it was a requirement to have ID. But the problem with America is like, no uh, passports. Uh, unless you have a driver's license, you don't have ID, basically. And it is it is a direct measure to suppress votes because the people who are less likely to have ID are the people who are more likely not to vote for Republicans. Not to mention gerrymandering, redrawing political lines Which to, to favor candidates. So like, it might be a, a majority Democratic area, but. The voting lines cut you out, so you can, so they can, so the Republican, it's like, it's like, repre- it's actually farcical, isn't it? So like, the, the level of representation is like minuscule, because mm. like you basically push these people in by basically moving the goalposts, mm. and then you get like it's like it's not it's not democracy. It's here. farcical, like like even even our political system, you know, we have PRSTV. Which means you vote for depending on the number of actually you know depending on the number of candidates you rank them, and usually the the number of seats in any given constituency ranges from I think some of two but it's usually three to five, and and more than one person gets elected which makes it more democratic so like it's not just the popular party it's more likely to get independents it's more likely to get a a variety of parties it's more likely to be more democratic rather than just like you vote for one that person represents you. Yeah, there has been accusations, Carol. I said as many as. 469,000 voters purged in Indiana mm. and 26 states also have had similar reports. It's just a fight voter fraud, Ken, that Donald Trump says is very real. Now, the Russians, the Russians, Ken, it's because of the Russians they're doing this, nothing else. But it's just like, it's like I have a few more topics here, but it's so hard to, to talk about because it's just like, that's not democracy. It's basically cheating to hold on to power. And one thing you can, you know, Irish politics, you know, especially in the last years, was particularly broken. But the one he even accused them of is is clinging to power, yeah, or to to stack the deck or to cheat. You know, I I I have very very absolutely no reason to believe that our our elections are not the outcome of the people's will, regardless of whether you agree with it. That's that's the way it is in America. It's literally, as you said, they draw the districts so that they favor themselves. They they try and prevent people who won't vote for them from voting. It's literally it's it's, it's as anti democratic as you can get. It's some, it's literally election fixing. In some states, people who get convicted of minor felonies can't vote at all. Mm. Yeah, it's it's but like. Do you want to just stop talking about American politics? <laughs> Do you want to just finish the episode? It's too depressing. Yeah, <laughs> something. So many great topics. To do you have, do you have anything that you really want to say? No, it's yeah. defeated me. We tried. <laughs> I had so much good stuff to talk about, but like, like yeah, as I say, you you have like like uh, the the move toward the right across the world, fake news, the, the 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 decline of facts, the Russian meddling, the fact that the U.S. has now left a power vacuum in the world. All of these things are very important topics to talk about. But God, Garrett, <laughs> now. Ordinarily, I try to put my head down and push through these things, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I said we delivered and we have, we have, well, in fairness, we have talked about it. Yeah. But what I'm, what you're saying here is, and like, these are all things that we should talk about and I want to talk about, but it's a lot to talk about one podcast. So do you think we should come back to it? Some other time. Maybe after the midterms, we'll see how it falls. Yeah. And be like, oh no, this is going to continue to be terrible. So, or maybe it's going to be slightly less terrible. Because I did get really enthusiastic with the topics and some of them were really interesting. I really wanted to dive into them, but... Actually, some of them are single, you know, single segments on their own. So, like the decline of facts, the decline of facts, the spread of the Russian method. There's actually kind of a whole theory about the Russian method of how they destabilize facts, destabilize democratic processes. Mm. You know, the celebritization of American politics and you know uh, things in general like that. We'd be going another forty-five minutes. Yeah, there's lots of stuff to talk about. One thing I will touch on. And you have Billy Ocean to see. Yeah. One thing I will touch on, we will we, we will cover it this week because I want to get onto it, is the meeting between Kanye West and Trump this oh, week. It's farcical, isn't it? Like, I've never seen a man betray his own people like that. <laughs> it's just disgusting to watch. It's absolutely obscene almost. And the thing is, like, 
for me, Gary, I'm going to ask you this question, and I, I feel as if it's the case. Was that the start of Connie dipping his toe into... Doesn't he already said he's running? Wasn't that a well, thing he said? He has said that he's <laughs> running in 2020. Then he pushed it out to 2026 because he doesn't want to step on. Because there's an election in 2026. 20, or 20, yeah, I, hope he, I hope he said 2026. I think he did. I think I remember him saying that. But like he wanted to push it out to not step on Trump's toes. Oh, of course. Is this the start of him dipping his toe to kind of try and get himself into the political arena? Well, he's, he's running for president. So, <laughs> sure. God... Or... This is, this is why I hate Sean Gallagher running because, for president of Ireland. And he said, as much as the Democratic Party is in a bit of disarray at the moment, they at least have the sense to not nominate someone like Kanye. Mm. Whereas, as much as, you know, he is not suitable, if if the Republican Party could see Kanye winning an election, they would put him in there to yeah. hold on to power. They would. It's not the who's best, it's who will win. Ah. And Gar- <laughs> two years ago, if someone said to me, like, because he said this a couple of years ago, like, he said to me, Kanye West could be president in the next 10 years, I would have like, yeah, come on now. Mm. You know, but and Trump won. We currently have a reality TV star in the White House. Mm-hmm. Who so, treats it like a reality television show. Exactly. But like, and he has an army of people, influential people around him. Like Kanye West basically sold out his own people. He's like, this guy's racist. And he's like, yeah, well, basically he didn't address the fact that he's racist. He never even said that he's not racist. He said, who cares? Racism doesn't, racism doesn't affect me. Well, maybe it affects some of your your fellow Americans Americans Ken is dancing around words here (laughs) but like there's huge movements around uh, around Black Lives Matter so basically he just delegitimized that entire movement by saying racism doesn't exist or if it does it doesn't matter this guy is good for America Mm. and I like him so you should like him and racism doesn't affect me it's basically not an issue and you're just like you're speaking for an entire group of people and he's an influential person and his message was amplified because he's speaking to the president of the United States. Uh, oh, it's just mind-boggling. And then he has the likes of Kellyanne Conway in an interview after when she's been asked about the, the Blasey Ford scandal is the only word you could talk about, is it? She just threw in that out of nowhere that she has been sexually assaulted. And don't get me wrong like, before anyone tweets me. I, I'm not saying that for one moment that it didn't happen to her. But she threw it in so flippantly and her following comments were like, no, that, you know, that did happen. Who cares? I'm past it. It doesn't define me. You know, it shouldn't. It was a long time ago. So he has people who have platforms basically delegitimizing any person that criticizes them by selling out whole movements of people. It's just really scary, like, to see that kind of level of almost brainwashing. Because I'll finish with one last hot take. I think Kanye said that he wanted to be president, kind of as a joke, kind of as like a kind of a, a shocking statement to say a couple of years ago. But then he married Kim Kardashian, and as we know, Kris Jenner is a propaganda master. <laughs> so I think that the plan is Kris Jenner sees putting Kanye in the White House. That Kris Jenner sees putting Kanye in the White House, so that in in the next ten years, Kim Kardashian and her brand gets to say that she is the first lady of the United States. This is... Mm. <laughs> and Gar, as I said, I would, two years ago I said, no way. But Gar, can I say now, confidently, that Kim Kardashian will not be the first lady of the United States? No, I cannot. Well. Mm. And then, Gar, after that, Michelle Obama did a great job as first lady and there was talks for her, or, you know, there was calls for her to put herself forward to become president as well, much like uh, Hillary Clinton did. Who knows, Kim Kardashian in 15, 20 years could be president. <laughs> It's inevitable now, isn't it? It's going to happen. I put it out in the world. I'm. This is Chris Jenner's master plan, girl. and that's my hot boiling hot take. And I ended it sounding like a nut. I sound like a Republican. You, it's conspiracy. You've, you've gone full conspiracy nut, Ken. This is how it happens. So as I said, uh, we touched on some stuff there. We will come back to it because it was very ambitious to get through uh, all that stuff. Uh, some really interesting topics. We will come back to it again in the future. But uh, that's about all we have the energy for this week. Mm. All right, you Russian trolls. <laughs> that's it. Sorry, I amused myself with that one. That's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash DWSKK. Around the press. that I got there. <laughs> that's where you'll also find our other show, Podcast a Week. Yes. Don't you put ish there. It's there. And the entire back catalogue of The Weekend Show. 
make sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud or both or either or whichever is your device like because a lot of people are Android people these days it's okay you can get the SoundCloud app it's all good but the point is you need to subscribe so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network speaking of which if you're a fan of the show and you need to show your friends how, what a trendsetter you are you can review the TWS network on iTunes Rob can't because he doesn't have an iPhone Rob as I said on Twitter you Rob is to- absolved of having to review us Ken you leave the poor lad alone <sighs> The least you could do, Rob, is buy an iPhone and just for the sole purpose of giving us reviews. I mean, have we not given you enough joy that 800 quid or 1,000 quid is worth it? We'll let you decide that. Leaving a review boosts the chances of new people finding our little mom and pop podcast. In appreciation, we will get you a seat on the US Supreme Court. It seems pretty easy, so... Mm. You know, yeah, there's very little standards. The standard's quite low, so I'm pretty sure we could get it done. And something tells us that a seat will be freeing up in the near future. I'm not saying that Brad Cobb now can't hack it. But uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is pretty old. Oh no! Don't don't die, Ruth. Stay alive, please. Just, just until the next election. Although Trump could get reelected, that's something that we should talk about again in the no. future. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash twskk. And where can they find us on Twitter? At twskk. Feel free to reach out. We'll read each and every one of your messages. We literally have nothing better to do. Seriously, though, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we don't get that much many messages. We don't get that many messages, so it would be a very short job. But we'd love to know what you think, and all feedback is welcome. Except if it's negative. Leave it up to yourself. Yeah, think it. Don't yeah. say it. I am also on Twitter at Ken Kidney, and Gar is on Twitter at... Uh, Garrett Kidney. That's my wow. name. Groundbreaking. Thought long and hard about that one. Next week, we bring back WeQuiz Battle of the Brothers where Gar and I take it in turns to try and stump each other for quizzing supremacy. Who's quizzing who? Who will be the quiz master and who will be the quizzy? Tune in next week to find out. You gotta so, hook them, Gar. You gotta hook them. So code for we don't know. We don't know. Exactly. No, Gar, we do know, but we're just it's a surprise. Okay. We were brought to you this week by the Republican Party, winning at all costs since 1854. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions, and until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye, everybody. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.